The Lord be with you. Welcome to Thin Places, the podcast channel of St. Aidan's Anglican Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. I'm Father Lee, the pastor here at St. Aidan's, and I want to invite you to join me here each week as we join together to share common prayer, common worship, and common life. And just as the streams feed the trees on their banks till they pour in the seas, so may my life be to all those who share this wilderness road. And now please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaimed in a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months before returning to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and you are our Redeemer. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I invite you to be seated. So, for the last several weeks, uh, I've been leading a Bible study, well, a book study, over a book that's called The King Jesus Gospel, written by Scott McKnight. 
And in this book, Scott asks this question that at first seems very, very simple. The question that he asks is, what is the gospel? And for most of us, we have grown up, or we've at least spent a large portion of our lives knowing what the gospel is. We hear that word and we use that word constantly. But he asks us to, to define what is the gospel. And as soon as he says that, you realize that you understand, hopefully you understand the core of the gospel, but that we also have other ideas and other values and other interpretations that we've sort of, you know, attached to the gospel. So sometimes we, we say the gospel uh, and we are talking about a way of speaking to each other. We, we, we say their words were filled with gospel or I went to him and I gave him the gospel. And while we're saying gospel, what we mean is I spoke to him in a way that caused him to believe something. Because sometimes when we use the word gospel, we also mean that it's the way that we get saved. I tell you a story, and if you believe the story, then now you are a saved person. And we use the word gospel to mean that encounter, that the gospel is just this plan of salvation that we have. Now, for us as Anglicans, if we, if we pull those, the, those extra sort of things that we've added to the gospel away, and we say, what is the gospel? We might be, uh, we might be tempted to use the, the, the simple response that we use in our Eucharistic liturgy every week. What is the mystery of faith? That Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. And while that's absolutely true, and that's a part of the gospel, it's not the entirety of the gospel. Because as Scott McKnight points out, the gospel is about the revelation of God's kingdom. And what does that look like? What does it look like for us to hope toward this kingdom of God being revealed? In truth, it's the story that God and God's people have been telling from the very beginning. See, in the very beginning of the story of God encountering his people, God creates a place and invites us into communion with himself. Now, I don't mean communion like we share at the table every single week, or at least I don't mean that exactly. What I mean by communion is that we are face-to-face with God, that there's nothing that comes between us and the encounter with the very person of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We encounter God face to face in that primal innocence, in that early, uh, that, that early state of humanity. And because we are together in that place, in the presence of God, we also get to share in fellowship with each other. We have peace with the world that's all around us. And there is a wholeness in our hearts. But of course, we know what happens next in the story. For our own reasons, because of our own hunger, we turned our back and we walked away from that communion. And so we became alienated from God, and we became alienated from each other, and we became alienated from the whole of creation, and we became alienated from ourselves. We fell in every way that it's possible for us to fall. But there, at the very beginning of the story about God's people, there's a promise. And that promise that God speaks is not forever. The promise that God speaks 
over his people, over his creation, is not forever. The promise that he gives is that one day the work of the serpent will be undone. And the story of Scripture, the story of God's people, is the story of God calling his people over and over and over again back to himself. So it begins with the story of Abraham. God calls Abraham. Abraham doesn't know who God is. He lives out in the, in, in the, the middle of a country far, far away from, from what we would consider to be the Holy Land. He, he doesn't have a people that are his own. And God says, I want you to go into a new place. And I'll introduce myself to you when you get there. And when Abraham comes face to face with God, God gives him two promises. He says, you're going to belong to me. And so your offspring, your children will be more numerous than the sands of the sea. And he gives him another promise. He says, that your offspring will be a blessing to all nations. All nations are going to be blessed in you. At that very beginning of this encounter that God has with Abraham, the thing that God says to him is a whisper of God's kingdom. A whisper of what it looks like when God restores the kingdom to its former beauty, to its former glory. But of course, we know the story of Abraham and the story of his family. They had encounters with God over and over again, but they forgot about those things. They walked away from those things. And God's people discovered themselves in the midst of slavery and oppression and abandonment and exile. And they'd forgotten the name of God. They didn't even know the name of God. And yet God had not forgotten his promise to Abraham. God had not forgotten his promise that in Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That God was going to create a people for himself. And so he called his people out of bondage. He worked in power and in great glory and he set his people free. And then he brought his people into his presence and he gave them this promise that he would now be present in the midst of his people and that his people would become a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God is again revealing to us this kingdom that he is calling his people into. He says that you are going to be a kingdom of priests. You're going to be a holy nation. But of course, what happens? Same thing that happens in our own lives. We have encounters with God. Some of us have had face-to-face -face encounters with God. We've seen God move in powerful and mighty ways. We've seen miracles happen. We've encountered God's presence. And yet a few months go by, a couple of years go by, and we forget about the power of those encounters. Just like God's people forget about the God that they had encountered. And so they asked God to give them a king. They said, we want to be like the rest of the nations. Give us a king. So that's what God does. He gives them a king. It works out to not be a, a, a great blessing for the people. 
In fact, there's a, a, a new kind of brokenness that they enter into. Not only are they broken by the world around them, but the king introduces fractures and brokenness into their own family, into their own relationships. They're split in half, and they go off in completely different directions. In fact, they turn on each other and start fighting against each other. And yet, in the midst of all of that, God gives a promise to the king. He gives a promise to David. And what's the promise that he gives to David? That I'm going to establish your throne forever. Again and again and again, God is speaking to his people and saying, there is a kingdom coming. There's a kingdom that's going to erupt in the midst of creation. And it's going to happen in you. And it's going to happen through you. There's going to be a kingdom. And yet it doesn't look like that for God's people, does it? Those kings break up the entire world. The, the, the entirety of what they thought was going to be this kingdom of priests and this holy nation becomes fractured and it, and it disintegrates. And they walk away from God. And they continue walking away and away. And at some point, God removes his protection from them. And the nations fall on them like a pack of hungry animals. And God's people enter into a season of destruction, and they enter into a season of alienation. They enter into a season of captivity and slavery and exile. And yet God doesn't forget them. And God calls them back to himself. And as these people come back out of exile, they begin to sing songs. In fact, the lesson that we read this morning from the prophet Isaiah, this is in chapter 61, is one of these songs, one of these prophetic words, one of these words of blessing that God gives to his people as they are coming out of exile, as they are returning to Israel. The Spirit of the Lord's upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news, gospel, to the oppressed to bind up broken hearts, to bring liberty to captives and prisoners, to comfort the mourners, to give them garlands instead of ashes, gladness instead of weeping, praise instead of brokenness. And they will build up the ancient ruins. They'll raise up the former devastations. And just as the earth brings forth shoots and gardens cause what's sown in them to spring up. So the Lord God will cause righteousness to spring up before all the nations. The promise that God gives to his people over and over and over again is the promise of his kingdom. And it's a promise that lifts their hearts. The promise that God is going to fulfill the covenants that he's made with his people. The promise that we are not alone. The promise that the whole of creation is going to be restored. The promise that there's going to be a new order. The promise that there is a king who is coming to set his people free. And that though the world goes not well, the kingdom comes. Because this is the truth. The kingdom of God is revealed and completed and fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Where Jesus is, there is God's kingdom. Every time we gather together for worship, we say Jesus is Lord. We're saying that Jesus is king. This is King Jesus. 
And where King Jesus is, there is God's kingdom. And we begin to see the world the way that God sees the world. That's why the psalm today is about those who dream. They're dreaming the way that God dreams. They're seeing the world the way that God sees the world. They see God's kingdom erupting all around them all the time. The invitation to us today is to become those who dream. To see the world the way that God sees the world. To look into the world around us and to see that the king has come and that the king is coming. That he's at work right now all around us restoring what is broken. Bringing wholeness and hope and healing. And when we see it, when we see the work that God is doing, our response is like the response of Mary and Elizabeth in our gospel lesson this morning. They see God at work. They encounter God face to face. And what happens? Joy. Joy. They're filled with joy. Not just happiness, but joy. Joy born out of hope that God is faithful to the promises that God gives to His people. Joy born out of the peace that comes from the presence of God in the midst of our lives. Joy. I'd like for you to take your book of common prayer with me. And this time we're going to open to page 45. Page 45, we find the Magnificat, the Song of Mary. Now, the translation that the Book of Common Prayer uses is a little bit different from the version that we have uh, memorized at St. Aidan's. So I want to make sure that everybody's got their Book of Common Prayer. Turn to page 45. I want to invite us to stand together as we sing the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he that is mighty has magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him throughout all generations. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the humble and meek. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, has helped his servant Israel as he promised to our fathers, 
Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for checking out Thin Places today. If you were blessed by your time with us and want to know more, check out anchor.fm forward slash thin dash places for more homilies, devotionals, and worship from St. Aidan's Church in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And make sure to follow us and leave a comment and join us again next time in common prayer, common worship, and common life. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Father is restored.